Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. My name is Tom Merch Jr., and as always, I'm joined by Mike Murphy. Mike, how are we doing today? We're doing good. Um, I'm just charging the new cat toy I got for my cat, which is those weird floppy fish. Um, I don't know what I expected for a $5 toy from Amazon, but it's a little underwhelming, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but When you know, I think of a- floppy fish, I yeah. think of like the old school McDonald's commercials with the talking bass on the wall. The give me oh, that big mouth belly fish. Bass. Give me that fish. Yeah, these are like they're designed so cats kick the shit out of them with their back feet, and they have like a little pouch for catnip and little shitty servo motor that just makes it look like the fish is flopping around, which is great. But um, you know, you have to charge it, which makes perfect sense, and then you know. It's one of those things you buy because it's the pandemic and um, it's like 4.30. It's not time for dinner yet and you really need something to do and you're tired of working or trying to work and you just end up on Amazon and then you end up buying more things for your cat. <laughs> so that's, that's what happened here. Yeah. Um, but in other news, Tom, the Rangers won a hockey game against uh, the Buffalo Sabres. Are they a hockey team, though? Yeah, that's the. It's like heading into that game. I was like, things are pretty rough for the Rangers right now, and the Devils for that matter. But like, it's not as rough as as it is in Buffalo. Taylor Hall has one goal, uh, and he scored in his first game with Buffalo, and he still hasn't scored. And healthy scratching, poor little, poor little Skinner. Like, goodness gracious. I mean, can't feel too bad for Jeff Skinner with the contract and what with the nine million and everything. But like. Things are pretty rough. Buffalo Sabres fans deserve so much better than this. It's pretty, uh, it's not good. But, you know, it was pretty exciting first minute of that game, Tom. I don't know about you, but I was like, what the hell's going on? I mean, anytime Pavlovichnevich scores, you know, I, I go, you know, get pretty excited. Like, that's that's not a surprise here. But, yeah, um, it's an interesting game, and... I was going into it thinking like the like you know classic Admiral Akbar you know it's a trap like this is a game that you expect the Rangers to win, um, but you just have that little voice in the back of your head saying. And I was talking to one of my best friends from college who's a, a Sabres fan, and I was even telling him I said like I'm completely prepared for a shutout just because we're playing the Sabres and uh, they're having such a bad time that it's going to be the complete inverse and the Rangers are going to get shit out, but nope goal four in the first minute. And then shortly after that, it's all tied up and pretty much back to where they started. Um, and then, yeah, the, the rest of the game goes on and it was interesting to me because I saw a clip that was circulating around, um, from the Rangers, Post game, and Steve Alaket is is talking about the Sabers and their effort and stuff, and how um, he feels bad for the people of Buffalo, and how he <laughs> gr- grew up not too far from there, um, and yeah. was one of his favorite cities to visit, and how there's a lot of guys on on the Buffalo Sabers. And I was I cracked up when he delivered this line. He's like, you, know, you have a bunch of guys on this team who are pretty much wearing ski masks on the fifty fifteenth and thirtieth of every month getting their paychecks, um, pretty much robbing the team blind. Um, but it it was weird because I saw a lot of that sentiment of 
the Rangers didn't deserve to win that game from from Rangers fans too. But like to be honest, it's almost like it was a little bit of of both. Like the Rangers were not pressing the play as much as they should, and outside yeah. of that second period by Buffalo, it just seemed like a very lackluster game. Although there was, was that little, yeah, like I sort of felt like it was an Elaine Vigneault coach team again, just sort of turtling in the third and like, yeah, we're just going to play really, really boring hockey. Yeah, we'll, we'll squeak away with the win here. Um, I mean, the most exciting thing that happened in the third period is that Igor went for the empty net. I mean, I was, I was, I mean, I was pretty happy that he went for it. He's going to get one, by the way. It's just a matter of time. But I was actually disappointed that he didn't go for it again when he had the puck again behind the goal line. Because I think Stupid one of the goalies... <laughs> Son of a bitch, ruining all of our fun. There's someone, one goalie, it might have been Brodeur, who scored, like, behind the goal line. Like, you know, sometimes the goalie, he'll come out a little bit to kind of shorten the uh, the distance between him and the empty net. But, I mean, God, it's just a matter of time. I'm still, I'm one of those people, I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that the Rangers have a goalie who can, who can do that. And stick handle the puck as opposed to Hank where it was always like Jesus Christ just leave it leave it alone don't touch it um yeah it, it is it was a really goofy game um Kreider's goal where he didn't know if he should even celebrate it or not was pretty great and you know the Rangers beat a really bad team uh but they didn't do it very convincingly and you know I think one of the more interesting things that came out of this game was like, it was nice to see Buchnevich pick up some points. And then, uh, like you mentioned, the goal. And then he had the play where he threw it on net and it went off of uh, Lafreniere's foot or shin or whatever and into the net. And Tom, don't look now, but Alexis Lafreniere has a three three points in his last three games and, and four in his last five. So, I mean, I mean, obviously this wasn't the most convincing point, but... The other thing that stood out really from this game is he, I think, was this was a season high in terms of ice time for him, or the second highest ice time for him, actually. Um, so 18.35, so actually looking like, you know, getting first-line minutes. And I know Shayna uh, Goldman wrote a great article about uh, Lafreniere's start over at The Athletic. If you haven't read that, you should give it a read. But it's really nice to see the kid get a bounce going his way. Um and kind of getting one of those, oh, it goes in off of his of his ass or something. Like, the sort of goal that Mika Zibanejad needs so badly right now. Because, you know, with all the, the attention that's been like, oh, what's going on here? And, you know, oh, is this just the case like Hughes or Capo Caco with Lafreniere? Just, it's crazy. This is a crazy year, everyone. I'm, I'm not expecting, like, I, I picked Lafreniere to win Rookie of the Year, even though... You know, I think that was just more of a blind optimism. I was excited that the first overall pick is playing for the team that I cover and, and you know, pull for. So, but yeah, I'm happy. Lafreniere's getting points. The Rangers won a really ugly, shitty game. And the other nice thing is, oh yeah, Mika Zibanejad picked up a point because he had that primary assist that sprung a booch for that breakaway goal. So, you gotta love it. Yeah, you bring up Zibanejad and... um. I was kind of curious and like I pulled up the information on uh, hockeystatcards.com, which is a really cool website that you can pull up all of the, these charts and stuff. And it, it basically, it'll tabulate a player who they played against time on ice, all of the basic box car numbers. Then you also have like, you know, uh, expected goals and a game score and looking at Zibanejad's, moving chart um, average over the last five games, he's on a bit of an upswing, as hard as that is is to believe, where you look at, so, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So let's let's do the last seven games. Um, so 16th, it's sort of like a little bit of a, a bottoming out of where, you know, being positive and negative, and he's, uh, his game score was 0.02, and that was against New Jersey. And then since that point, next game versus the Flyers moves up a little bit, 0.13, still not great. Next game against the Capitals, 0.33. Next game against the Flyers, 0.48. 
next game versus the Bruins, 0.65. And then that Sunday game where a lot of people looked out of place and the team just sort of regressed, he was able to sort of hold pace at 0.64, which brings us to last night, um, or, you know, against the Sabres, not last night, because by the time you're listening, this will be two days removed, uh, 0.77. Um, if you want to talk about Zibanejad on, on the year as a whole, um, he has had, you know, some highs and lows. So let's see, one, two, three, four, five. So we go down to five, um, and then his, his game score number for that um, was 1.09. So basically, his moving average has been going up and I should let you know that like the numbers I'm citing it's just sort of the the moving average but his individual totals you can find and I'll tweet this link out but um it's hard to believe because like I think a lot of people watching they understand the frustration like he's shanking shots that he should put on net he's had a lot of shots blocked too which I think is teams know that he's struggling and the Rangers are trying to cycle the puck to him and that's allowing defenders to get their stick in the way or collapse on him which is only adding to the frustration but i don't want to jinx anything you know i'm knock knock on wood knock on my desk um but there's a bit of an upswing for mika and my hope is that Heedle is back now great um kako is off the covid list um we still don't know what his situation was, if he had tested positive or if, or if you know, was close contact or, or whatnot, but he should be coming back soon. And then, um, you know, hopefully you get Panarin back. And then you have a team at full power with Zibanejad on a bit of an upswing that's only going to, to help the team and help Mika get his confidence back. Yeah, it's very good to see him start to, like, it was it was really noticeable, especially in that first period where it was a little bit like wide open. I know Valley said it was like you know like uh, men's league, like beer league hockey, and like watching watching him make those plays, like he just looks a little more confident, which is nice. And like, but you know, I, I listen. I'm not a doctor, um, but we know he had COVID. We know he missed a lot of training camp. Like. I'm not surprised that he struggled. I'm just surprised that it's lasted this long, but we don't know what he's dealing with uh, in terms of recovering from all that. And we also don't really know, you know, like what sort of sports psychology goes into this. It's not easy to, to be a guy who had the year he had last year and then start this year with COVID. And then, you know, there's all the, all the pressure on him and, like the power play can't buy a goal and he's a guy who's supposed to score power play goals. Like in, in a lot of ways, things were stacked against him despite all the talent he has. So I'm not incredibly alarmed, but I am disappointed with, with how the year has gone for Mika because he, I mean, you can't not be, but no, you're raising your hand, Tom. You have a point, a point to make. Yeah. The point I want to make is it's, it's almost like a perfect storm of circumstances that are going against Zibanejad. Number one, he has an amazing season last year, scoring 41 goals in 57 yeah. games. Like, that's incredible. That's something that... Eye-popping. Uh, it's holy shit. This guy right. is one of the best goal-scoring centers in the league. Mika Zibanejad's arrived. He's an, a bona fide star now. Like, he was an up-and-coming guy, but now Mika Zibanejad's a star, period. End of sentence. Yeah. And then he and had this start. Yeah. You have this start. You have the fact that this is a shortened season, and it's a shortened season when Zibanejad has only two years left on his contract, so one after this season. And yeah. you have the whispers of what a contract extension would look like. You have the fact that there's going to be other players who are free agents at the same time as him. You have the Jack Eichel stuff, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, and you factor in COVID, bad start questions of was last year a fluke you have others sort of putting out there does he feel like disrespected that he didn't get the captaincy i don't really think that's an actual thing but some no i don't think there's too much there yeah yeah it did write that you know but they've also written a lot of other things that are kind of horseshit but that's neither here nor there <laughs> um 
so yeah, it's this perfect storm of, of shit, in, in other words. But still, you look at, at the Rangers as a whole, um, and you pull up their you know, their leading scorers. And Zabanajad, yeah, obviously you, you want him to you know be leading the team. You expect, you know, based on, on what he did last year, that you'd be able to have um you know, somewhat similar success. But like we like we saw last year, he he ended the season really hot. But even still, he's he's eighth in team scoring with seven points. You know, leading the way is Panarin, eighteen and fourteen games. Then it's Booch, fifteen and twenty. Strom, who has turned a corner, um, and who I want to look at a little bit more closely and write about at some point. Uh, Chris Kreider, um, ten goals and shooting twenty five point six percent, which. Well, that- yeah, like it's sustainable, it's, Tom. Don't don't. This say is Michael Grabner. We all know it's Michael Grabner territory, and like the comparison fits because of you know the speed demonness and the you know the the quirky. He already has five. And, he already has five on the power play. Rides does. Yeah, and who? It's crazy to think he's just. I mean, no wonder he barely knew to celebrate his most recent goal because everything's going in right now, which is beautiful and. The thing is, uh, keep shooting, Kreitz. While this is happening, for the love of God, keep shooting. By the way, he had nine on the power play last season. That was his career high. So for him to have five and 20 is... We'll take it. We'll take it. Any guess you want to have who's second in power play goals on the team for the Rangers? <laughs> My brain said... I was going to make the joke that you want me because I've been dead to produce more than Colin Blackwell. So is it Colin Blackwell? So it's Blackwell with two power play goals in 12 games. It is Blackwell? That's beautiful. Yeah. And then directly behind him with two goals in 14 games is Panarin. And then it's a tie between Zibanejad and Fox with a power play goal each um, in 20 games. It says games. a lot so, that Artemi's been out for six games and he still leads the team by three points, I think. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And he, he and Fox are still tied with uh, the power play point lead as well, but I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot to take from from just talking about these stats. Like you know, it, all this points to the Rangers are kind of right where they belong in the standings to me. Like the overall look of this team is not necessarily surprising. The way we get to this team being, you know, an eight, nine, and three team, that's a little surprising to me. You know what I mean? Like. It's. I'm surprised that some of the struggles are here. Like, am I surprised that Jack Johnson doesn't look good? No. I'm not surprised that Lieber Hayek is struggling. No. Um, it's there's a lot of frustration. Like, ah oh, man, Jacob Trouba is playing well. He has this injury. Um, you know, we have 14 games without Philip Hedel, and like no one wanted or was expecting that. But thankfully, Hedel's back. He looked really strong, by the way, in his first game back. I was I was happy to see, but. Yeah, you look at the numbers for Mika, and like you said, things are starting to trend in the right direction, and thank God for that, because if you just looked at what like what he was doing on a gaming game-out basis, especially with like, the rolling average of his game score, and like if you, you take a closer look at the game score, like he had a pretty quiet game against Boston, um, but other than that, he's been in the green a lot in terms of his overall performance, which is something you want to see, and for a guy like Zibanejad, he's not he's not necessarily celebrated as a guy away from the puck for a reason. Like he's a he's a guy who generates offense. He's a guy who scores goals. You don't necessarily look to him to be like a shutdown center. That's not what his identity or his playstyle is. So when the goals aren't coming, Tom, it's really easy to be like, what what the hell's wrong with Mika Zibanejad, right? Um, yeah, it's true because and like I get into this discussion or i don't know if so much a discussion but bring the point up whenever it's time where you're writing about re-signing players writing about pursuing players um and i'd say that you know i've sometimes i've been guilty of this and you know many others have is that when we talk about players like elite is a word that's thrown around a lot um and which is kind of an oxymoron in in that it's a word that really should be 
left to a select few. And I know this doesn't happen in the NHL because there are often times where teams will overpay for a player that has one really good skill set. But when you when you're looking at players, like there's a select few that are really good offensively, really good defensively. There's a lot of players that are amazing offensively and average defensively, and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, so, at what but, but you pay your Patrick Lainez is the thing. That's the guy who takes up the cap space. That's the reason why Jeff Skinner got nine million a year. You know, that's the guy you pay. Right, exactly, and to an extent, um, it's it's why you have to be careful when you're signing deals or rewarding players for past performance, and why sometimes when you have players on such great deals that it becomes somewhat of a risk to extend them, no matter you know how underpaid they were. Um, it, it's like you know anyone who has been you know getting in on you know the stock craze that seems to have happened during uh, quarantine. Um, that you know sometimes you really find a stock that just takes off at the right time, but you got to know when to sell and you don't want to get too greedy. Um, and sometimes you may get out too early, but it's better to get out a little bit early than get out a little bit too late. Um, so, I guess in in other words, the Rangers find themselves, you know, in an interesting situation, and we're going to evaluate this at some point. I think it was Kevin that brought it up in in the Slack about doing like a a check in at some point. But it was good to see them get back in the win column, and obviously they're going to have to try to do it again versus New Jersey. Well, the point I was just going to raise, Tom, is an example of making sure you, you part ways with a guy maybe a little too early or before it's too late. Uh, tying this to Mika Zibanejad, is there a better example than Derek Broussard? Like, Derek oh, Broussard's perfect. career post-Rangers versus what the Rangers have gotten out of Mika Zibanejad. Like, it's a pretty, like, convincing argument about, like, yeah, be aware of what you have, because the Rangers knew what they had and what they had the potential to get, and they chose the guy who had a higher ceiling. And wow, did it work out! But yeah, but like I last last week when we were talking a little bit about this with Mika, I was starting to think like, am I getting alarmed here? I'm not sure if I'm alarmed yet, but it's definitely worrying. And thankfully. Some of that pressure is coming off now that he's starting to play better and the points is, he's picking up points. Because the other thing that like didn't get talked about a lot was he also wasn't getting a lot of assists. Like it was just like there was just a barren wasteland in terms of production for Mika, and it was it was like oh man, what what the hell's going on? And a big part of that I think is you know it's related to it. You can't escape the fact that the Rangers' power play is not great. And it's been a little more consistent lately, but it had a really, really rough stretch. And he was the power play gun. Um, you know, Panarin and Fox are the guys who are making plays, but the guy who's releasing the puck and getting it on net is Abenajad. And when the power play isn't delivering, obviously that's going to impact everyone's stats. And obviously that was just underlined and highlighted with Abenajad. I think we, we yeah, well, change I mean, topic, Tom. I have a fun question for you. Ready? You have a fun Rather, question? Just a fun thing to raise. So if I were to tell you uh, the Hartford Wolfpack are second in their division, that sounds pretty good, right? That's pretty fucking amazing. Yeah, it's pretty great. The problem, Tom, is there are three teams in the division. Oh, um, that there are. <laughs> so there are three teams in division. Hartford has lost its last four. Technically... They're tied with Bridgeport, uh, the Sound Tigers, which I'm still convinced is a Pokemon, um, for the last seed in the Atlantic. Uh, but Hartford has the edge in the standings because they have 18 goals, and uh, Bridgeport has 14, so Hartford has a better goal differential uh, at negative 2 than negative 6. But um, it's been a goofy time, as you might imagine, with, with <laughs> how this season's going to work out for Hartford. Um, they started with two wins and now they've, they've dropped four in a row, but they're going to play a lot of these teams. And early on, it's looking like Providence is really quite good. And, uh, Hartford is, uh, maybe not so great. 
um, which is is what it is. But it's also hard to get a read on them after six games. But the thing I wanted to kind of underline and point out to you, Tom, is Morgan Barron has five points in his first six games in the AHL, and four of those have been primary. He's averaging three shots a game. All those things sound really good. And I'm really encouraged by that, um, especially because, um, was it like Johnny Brodzinski was producing a lot in Hartford, but, you know, it's Johnny Brodzinski, although he did score when he's with the Rangers, which was, you know, still wrapping my head around that one. Um, one more goal than Brett Howden. <laughs> it's true. One more goal than Brett Howden. Is he still looking for his first goal? Brett Howden has not scored in a very, very, very long time. Uh, I have to look up the date because I kind of, I was going to, well, I won't explain what I was going to do because then that will ruin the fun. But yeah, it's, it's been a day and a bit for Mr. Howden, who apparently someone has started a, uh, I don't know if it's a parody Twitter or a burner or whatever, and extolling the virtues that is, uh, to quote Greg Kaplan of the Breakaways podcast, uh, the man rocket who can get it. Um, I always get funny because like when I'm listening to their podcast, whatever Brett Howden discourse comes up, they have a rule in place where they've pretty much said all they're going to say about how Brett Howden has been. So their default is, well, Brett Howden, he's a man rocket who can get it. And I, I can get behind that logic. Well, he's got two assists in 20 games, so he's got that going for him. Um, but yeah, I'm a little bit encouraged by how, like, really just the way Baron and Rayoninen have played, um, which is which is a nice thing. Uh, Patrick Newell also has three goals. That's nice. But other than that, it's been a little, you know, what's the word, Tom? Underwhelming? Um, I'm not too worried. Uh, because, you know, it's Hartford. Who the hell knows what's going to go on in Hartford? But yeah, that's where we are. Uh, it's been, you know, the most of the minutes have been played by Keith Kincaid, and he looks like, you know, an NHL backup who is playing in the HL, so his numbers have been good. But, uh, like, I'm not, it's going to be weird to try to update and cover folks on, uh, on what's going on in Hartford, but I do want to point out things like, hey, Morgan Barron seems to be succeeding and that's a good news because we want him to do well and i'm still like you know it's been a while now but i'm still like a little i don't know what the right word is tom but i was really like surprised by how harsh quinn was on him in training camp like how he kind of singled him out and being like yeah this kid's not ready or you know he he looks out of his element or whatever the fuck it's like jesus christ <laughs> like is that like what you want to all right it's fine I mean, he's the he's the guy who's good with kids, coach. So, yeah, right. it was out yeah. of um, out, it was out of character in my in my sense for a guy for a college hockey player, like for a college hockey coach to just like take that kind of approach. Um, yeah, it was weird to because, me. It just it seemed a little like like unnecessary. Like maybe Baron ate the last sandwich on the on like the 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 food service line that Quinn had his eye on or something. It's like, all right. Take it easy, David. Uh, he's he's in his first NHL training camp, and yeah, I'm glad to see him succeeding. Though it's it's good, especially on a team that is not playing great, um, especially lately. To see him continue to pick up points is a very good sign, um, especially after Brodzinski was out of the lineup and stuff. But it's it's a goofy schedule, as you might imagine, for Hartford with long breaks between games and all that, just like we're seeing uh, to some extent with the Rangers and postponed games and all sorts of. Jesus, this year's been utterly bizarre, Tom. Um, yeah. Tarmo's been good, too. He has been good, too. Uh, continuing, picked up another primary assist, which is nice to see. Um, you know, Unfortunately, one of my favorite sites for just for covering the AHL, and you know, I get to watch games, like I try to watch like at least half a game or a game every week, depending on what the schedule looks like in Hartford, and then the AHL tracker site that I really liked uh, that Jeff Craig put together is down because I think I think the AHL changed their website and how they do their box scores and everything. So I don't know if he has to to get a different API or what have you or, or figure it out so he can scrape it differently. I haven't reached out to Jeff to see if that's something he's working on, but um, it's it's still you know at this stage of the game you know with six games it's not hard to be like all right how many of these assists are primary? Let's go through the game log and count it through and 
watch watch a little bit of play, but Carmo just looks so smart um, from what I've seen in watching a couple of Wolfpack games this season. He just looks like he really knows what he's doing. He looked comfortable. Um, I like the decisions he makes with the puck. I like the way he plays, generally speaking. Like he's not a guy who's going to stand at you as like a great defensive defenseman. But I like he just moves the puck well. He he makes good decisions, which is a nice thing to see, especially when we see the current blue line and uh, not not necessarily the best decisions made on that third pair. That should make like for for Brandon and they're like that should make him a perfect fit for this team because Quinn is all about good intentions. Yeah, it it really should. So it's it's hard to understand why he didn't get a a, a call up. Yeah, or at least a, a look, and they've kind of stuck with Libor Hayek, which, you know, it's one of those things you think about opportunity a lot. I think about this a lot, like, oh, the Jacob Truba injury. It's like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> like, how does this team work around this? And then, of course, you know, also D'Angelo is in the lineup, and then you're like, okay, well, ah, shit. And then, of course, you know, the t- brief time Keandre was on the uh, the COVID list, and all of a sudden, your your blue line stretched pretty thin, and and then like we we see Boteto and Lieber Hayek, and it's like okay, well, why? Um, I mean, nothing against Anthony Boteto and his unforgettable goal that made the entire state of New York very proud of him, but um, you know, I don't, I I'm fine with him being the taxi squad D, but I would like maybe in the instance of there being an injury and an opportunity that I don't know, you call up. The kid who might still factor into the Rangers' future? Because wouldn't it be nice to have a guy who can play on the third pair and move the puck around well? I don't know. I'd like Oh, that. yeah. And I, you brought it up, and I'm glad you did. Because like I felt so bad for Anthony Boteto that he was out with an injury for the first game in MSG that could have fans. And oh, he my God. he was yeah. so excited in that hype video that he that they put out and when he wasn't in the lineup i'm like man this is a new york guy that he talked about when he played his first game with the rangers at msg he was all i was so glad that there weren't any fans because i would have been so nervous so when they do have fans it's going to be a much easier time and then it happens and then the guy can't play so hopefully uh well even that you think of a guy like him who's not a lineup regular and then he has this injury right i always uh, it made me what was it like blackwell had a good like between an intermission interview where he you know they're asking like you know how are you doing what you're doing colin blackwell you're you know scoring all these points and doing all these good things and he's like well i'm 28 now like this is my last chance and i'm just trying to seize the moment seize the opportunity you know all those hockey cliches but you can't not feel great for Colin Blackwell and what he's done, even if you're frustrated with his advantage ad and you want more out of Lafreniere and you want all these nice things. Like seeing Blackwell succeed is fantastic. And I, that made me think of like, how shitty is it for Boteto that there's the Jacob Truba injury and he fans are back at MSG and the poor guy is, is can't be in the lineup right now. I felt horrible because it's, um, you look at the opportunities Feels bad, that bro. Feels bad. there are because you're going to have injuries. And as the deadline gets closer, um, and this will be of real importance once the KHL season is over for Kravtsov, who he scored a really nice goal today in, in Tractor's uh, win in their, their first uh, KHL playoff game. That, um, And we'll touch on this a little bit when we talk a little bit about Eichel, is that as you get closer to the trade deadline, because the majority of salaries for players have been paid out, you're able to um, absorb more contracts. So in the case of the Rangers, like right now, they are managing things to the best that they can, where like people have stopped, I think, for the most part, freaking out when uh, Cap Friendly's um, you know, transaction account has been uh, tweeting like, oh... Capo Caco to Taxi Squad or, you know, Igor Shosturkin to Caps Taxi Squad because the Rangers gain incremental amounts of cap sca- space by shuffling players. I would hope at that point you see someone like Baron or see someone like Tarmo 
Um, but right now, I guess they're 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 doing they're doing what they're doing for a reason. Like they have a, something in mind, I I would imagine, because otherwise, why bank that space for future use when you're unlikely to be a playoff team? You're not really looking to make an acquisition at the deadline, um, but we'll see for sure. And hopefully we do see down the stretch, which it's hard to believe that we're at the tomorrow's going to be, or today, I guess if you're listening to this versus the Devils, it's going to be the 21st game of the season of um, 56. Um, so I think at this point, we're at 34 minutes and change. Time for an ad break, Mike, you think? A little, a little ad break. We'll put some pennies in the pockets. Oh, we, sh- we definitely can use those. Uh, so, yeah, we'll take a little bit of an ad break, and then we'll be back with uh, some more uh, stuff. And we'll leave it at that stuff. And just like that, we're back from the ad break, and my Apple Watch was thought I summoned Siri for some reason, and I was afraid it was going to speak, similar to Alexa last week, which I thought made for some fun in the podcast. Um, Pissed me off is what it did. Oh, no. I mean, you you got to... bitch into a wall. (laughs) How do you like Alexa, though? Like... Because uh, well, I, I have say her name because she's gonna talk. You, you you're trying to trap me, and I won't fall for it. Um, so how how do you like your automated assistant? It's fine. It makes me feel like I'm Tony Stark, so I enjoy that part of it. Um, it's the only way I set alarms now, really. Um, and I like it because it lets me know, like, when I order the stupid cat toy when it's here, things like that. So. Overall, it's nice. I have a smart switch thing, so I can turn lights on and off, which makes, again, makes me feel like Tony Stark, which I'm all about. So, overall, I like it. I don't have, I can't compare it to Siri or anything else, so um, I just saw my girlfriend had it, and then I said, you know what? The TV I bought, like, last Black Friday had a deal where it was included for freezies, and I said, yeah, I want to be a little Tony Stark boy. Maybe shave my beard and do a goatee. Maybe, you know, eat some some slushies and whatever the hell shakes. I just watched the, the, all the Iron Man movies again. I forget. In the second one, he has to drink some shitty, like, shake thing because his stupid Iron Man robot heart is poisoning him because of palladium or whatever the fuck. Yeah, before he has the mini arc reactor in his in his uh, chest. But yeah. you, you obviously, my favorite when what was it? You went down for uh, was, was the ringing of the bell at uh, the stock exchange with with the end of looking like yeah. uh, you know Obadiah Stone, uh, Tony Stark made this in a cave <laughs> with scraps, box of scraps. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I haven't. But I love it's so funny with the pandemic. I haven't needed to wear a suit. In so fucking long, Tom. Not a bad thing. I haven't worn anything but t-shirts and goddamn hoodies. Because I already work from home. So, there's. I'm just not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going into the city. I'm not going into games to work games. At least then I would try to wear, you know, pants. (laughs) Uh, I remember when I went to the NHL draft in Buffalo in 2016... Um, the first day I was in the media room because like, you know, I like everyone, all the major outlets and big shots and big wigs, they were on like risers in the arena floor. And then on day two, um, 
it pretty much empties out, so I was able to sit in the arena. But like, it was weird to see, and I, you know, I guess I wouldn't know any better, but like, I wore like, like you know, sport coat and like slacks and everything. So many people like covering it were in jeans and a polo and stuff, and I just felt like so overdressed. And it was like kind of weird, but then again, we have general managers walking around and uh, players and prospects and stuff. So I guess it's not like yeah. you're, you're out of place, it's, but it was still weird. It's a fun thing in my experience in, in media scrums. I've done a couple NHL ones now, and I've done a lot just for national team stuff for USA hockey and, and women's hockey and stuff. Essentially, you can dress casual to to the nines like that's the the dress code span like it's a full spectrum you can you can look like an like you know you have like crumbs on your shirt <laughs> like you're eating a donut but it at second intermission or you can look like you know you're going to someone's wedding and both are somehow acceptable um i think most people say you should try to at least be neat and tidy and dress for success but you know i've seen like i've seen People from like the New York Times and the Athletic show up to, you know, like NWHL games and being the media scrum wearing, you know, like, like light jeans and, you know, sneakers and t shirt. So, um, there's no real code anymore. It's not like back in the day when we had a, you know, like the fedora or whatever the hell you call that hat and like with the press ticket thing sticking out of the band. So, oh, God, I yeah. kind of <laughs> like that. I like because I like the aesthetic and the uh, of the old cameras where the bulb would eject and then it falls on the ground and makes that crunch. That's what I want. I want that crunch. What you just I can't imagine it's good for the environment to just have crushed glass everywhere. What you just described made me think of um, Sea Biscuit, and it was like after one of the races with where like um, Red Pollard, who was played by um, Toby Maguire and just like getting interviewed and you have the flash bulbs and it's like and then you have like the people with the trains accents for yeah yeah it's like so what do you it. think of the race so yeah I think um, makes me want as chips. much as I <laughs> as much as I enjoy this conversation right. and this this sure. type of topics which which we should probably just do a random show like this at some point in the off season or summer or whatever. Um, we should talk about the athletics top 30 trade list, which can then be a, a segue into what we've said we're going to talk about, which we did talk about last yeah, week, but Jack. you yeah. know, obviously everything changes. Um, were you surprised? No Ragnars, that, Tom. No Ragnars on that list. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you take Not this one. one to start. Yeah, it was interesting to me. Um, you know, it's not like comprehensive. It's not like, you know, there are other lists out there, but, you know, this list was put together and, you know, it was interesting to me because like you mentioned, it's crazy to think, Tom, but it's where, what is it now? 19 games in, right? And uh, 20, yeah. The season's only how many games long? So it's kind of time to start thinking about this shit. It's, it's weird that we're already at that stage, but that's where we are. And we know that the Rangers are not necessarily uh, uh, going to be buyers. And we also know, you know, there's the D'Angelo situation, of course. And then there's the the fact that there's like Ryan Strom and whether or not there's any interest in Georgiev. And it seems like it's kind of all quiet, which is not necessarily great no- great news for the Rangers. But I don't know. The Rangers might be a little gun shy on, on Strom considering Mika's Benajad start. I don't know. There's a lot to, there's a lot to break down and consider, but um, like even, you know, like a name like Taylor Hall is towards the end of that list. And a lot of it is pointed out like, Oh yeah, you know, the, the prorated, his contract is so high that it's not going to be one that a team is like even capable of taking on, but he's on that list. So it was surprising to see no Rangers on the list. Were you surprised Tom? No Rangers. I'm surprised just by the mere fact that you look at this trade deadline and it's going to be the last major um, opportunity of movement with every team in the league um, until the start of the off season and before the Seattle expansion draft. And yeah, and I, you're right. That's a big factor. The expansion draft factor. Go, go ahead. But like, I, 
I forgot that, but that is like a big part of this. Why you'd expect every team essentially to be like moving wheels, like <laughs> moving shit around, trying to figure out how to make make everything work. Yeah, because it's not he's not on this list, but I, one of the insiders, I think it was like someone from TSN, like dropped in passing that like Mark Stahl was a name that like could be on the move just because he's a veteran and he's in the final year of his deal and like to see no ranger on this list. So, um, and it's not like this is a murderer's row of people. Like you have Casey Middlestat towards the bottom. You have Ryan Murray, Jake Bean, Victor Rass. Like, so you have a combination of players who have bad contracts, players who have one year on left on their deal. Um, and I would think just, you know, not not that it would be him specifically, but like a Colin Blackwell-like player who is playing very well, and you don't know if you're going to be able to protect someone like him. Um, you know, I, I would be surprised that you wouldn't have anyone on the list. I would be surprised that you don't have, um, you know, maybe a Ryan Strom. Like, just to see, like, what's out there, because, again, like, I know, um, Hockey Stat Miner, Mika, has talked about this, like, the Rangers could have a tremendous amount of cap space, and they may decide to do their business in the offseason and play on teams that didn't do well in the playoffs or are going to be up against the gun to uh, protect or expose people, and then they're going to do their wheeling and dealing. But not to have a single Ranger did catch me by surprise. Yeah, it should be mentioned, most of the guys on this list are guys who are on their last year, they have one more year after this, so there are guys that theoretically could fit under, and um, especially in mind with, with the expansion and Seattle, but it was interesting to me, like, three guys on uh, Nashville are in the top ten uh, for this list, and, and like you have Ekholm and Eichel at the top of the list. Yeah, Philip Forsberg at four. It's like, you know, I. It's very interesting. Like, the point you raised about Blackwell is a good one because wouldn't every team want a Blackwell? Because the price isn't going to be too bad. Every, I should say, every team with cup aspirations or, or you know, designs on going deep in the playoffs would love a guy like Colin Blackwell right now. Because, um, you know, like at base level, you know, you're going to get a very solid bottom six guy who can, if need be, move up in the lineup. And I don't know, I was a little surprised and I guess disappointed on behalf of the Rangers because I don't know. And I was still holding out hope in my little heart of hearts that the Rangers would uh, trade Brennan Lemieux, but <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen now. So we'll see, Tom. It's a little, I don't know. I, the, the other thing is, I don't know what I expected to see on this list. I didn't expect to see Eichel at the two spot. Right. Because what is the likely? Because we talked about this in the banter slack. Like, what is the likelihood that Jack Jack Eichel gets traded like at a, on a deadline deal? Like, I'd say like thirty percent or less. Yeah, it just doesn't strike me as likely. Because um, I, I don't think Buffalo is going to rush into that decision, even if Jack is like, "Hey, I'm really not digging it here." Um, the wings were fun for a while, and. The losing was cool. We got Sandine, but uh, I can't really do this much longer. <laughs> so um, we really liked Ralph Kruger, but now apparently he's on the hot seat. And Jeff Skinner, who was seemingly like, we're going to make beautiful music together for the next 10 years. And then Jeff Skinner's a healthy scratch for three games. So God, at least the Rangers aren't Buffalo. God damn. It's bad. Buffalo makes me sad for them. What I thought was interesting about this list, um, like you have a guy, and, and not so much that they're on the list, but as time goes on, you lose sight of like how old players are. So like Ricard Raquel, one year left, he's 27. Philip Forsberg, one year left, age 26. Like it's not that long ago that you can think of like trade scenarios where it's like, Oh, wouldn't it be great if the Rangers could add X or Y, like these young players who would complement what they're, they're building. And here you are, like they're, 
they're pushing closer and closer to 30. And like, not that they're ancient by any, any stretch of the imagination, but it's sometimes you have the thought of a player in your head, like, oh, they're young. Like they have some really good years about them. And then you look them up on like hockey reference, like, holy crap, like they're 27, they're 28, they're 29. And where does the time go? Yeah, it's crazy to think like Raquel already being 27 is crazy to me. And Philip Forsberg no longer being a young, up and coming young star. He's 26 now, so he's in his prime. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, it's a, it's goofy to think of where the Rangers fit into things like trades because I think a lot of things are held up by, uh, D'Angelo situation. And like, you know, I, I would imagine to some extent they're not in any desire to rush things with Strom now. Uh, if I was, if I was Gordon, I definitely wouldn't want to rush things on Strom right now, even though Mike, the writer, um, last year was saying just pull the trigger on Strom while his value is sky high or as high as it could be for Ryan Strom. But um, it is, it's a weird list uh, to look at from the perspective of the Rangers, because the other thing you can look at from this list is try to get a sense of what the market looks like and compared to what the Rangers assets are. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot of goalies on this list now, other than the three spot, which is a uh, Chris Drieger or I never say his name, right? But yeah, goofy. Goofy list. Yeah, Drieger's on here, who I've had in fantasy on and off, and he's been good. And then Jonathan Quick is at 21, but no one's going to take his contract, I think, even though it is two years left. Um, so I figure we end the show just sort of talking Eichel, um, but I want to read the the little snippet here. To, to, to your point, you mentioned that, like, who's trading for Eichel at the deadline? Um, yeah. and it even explicitly says it. So if it happens at all, this is likely a summer trade. Eichel's no trade doesn't kick in until after 2021, 22. So there's no immediate rush, only a window of time in which the Sabres retain leverage. They're struggling again. And the questions about his future have resurfaced. And there's some compelling logic to seeing him end up with the Rangers. And then one executive is quoted as saying, I think at the end of the day, Jack Eichel is going to end up a New York Ranger. I just don't know when that's going to be. Um, and then you also have a competing person saying, LA is a team that people should be looking at long and hard with Quinton Byfield, Alex Turcott, and plenty of other pieces. And does Buffalo really want to play against this guy a bunch every year, or do they want him in the Western Conference? Uh, I would give up a lot for him. Talent-wise, he's a top forward. Top 10 forward in the league, said another executive. If they want to trade him, they are going to get a lot for him. Which, again, I have pushed back on because star players are never traded for a good reason. In the sense of, like, no team gets a star and says, we want to trade you. They're only trading them for, you know, bad reasons. The player wants out. Yeah, they stay coerced into it. It's right. a cap situation. It's a it's the players upset and you're you're trying to save a situation, trying to escape a nightmare situation from a PR standpoint where your fans are like, what the hell's going on? Because it's better for your fans to say, This is all we got for Jack Eichel, as opposed to this team sucks, Jack Eichel, our best player, doesn't even want to be here. It's better to say the the former than the latter. To, in the perspective of a lot of executives around the league, which I get, but I don't know if when you, I thought about what we talked about last time around Tom. And if you think about recent trades for stars, you kind of have a point. <laughs> like there's not these blockbuster packages. Don't really, you don't see them as much anymore, right? It's not that they just don't exist, but you see just like bigger packages slapped together for, you know, a guy who's on the last year of his deal, who everyone understands is a rental, but it's like a, it's a package you slap together with here's a prospect and a couple picks, and yada, yada, yada. Kind of like, you know, you think of even like the, the McDonough JT Miller trade to Tampa, like all the pieces involved there, but the Rangers gave up two roster players there. So it's not exactly a great comparison for something like this. Right. And the most recent trade involving a star player, and it's, it again, it was his contract was expiring. There was n nothing going to happen with in terms of an extension. 
and who I think is definitely a top 10 player. Um, Mark Stone, what did he get traded for? Oscar Lindbergh, a top pro- defense prospect, and Eric Brandstrom, who um, is not really been played much in Ottawa. Um, you know, DJ Smith, I guess, is not really a big fan of his. And a second-round pick in the 2020 draft. And right after that, not too long, he signs the long-term extension in Vegas. Um, I mean, I've seen I've seen both sides of it, and I'm not saying that anyone's wrong. I get everyone making a case. Jack Eichel is an amazing player. He's locked in. Um, he's some say like you know, yeah, he's at 10 million dollars. You know, based on his potential and ability, he could be worth more than 10 million dollars. Um, but like again, we the NHL and I guess some of this too is it depends on how how hockey fans how many other sports are they watching and and sort of seeing like how transactions go down and and how you know money gets moved around. Um, there are teams in the NHL that they just don't give signing bonuses to players like that. That's yeah, they just a, have internal hard internal rules. Yeah, and like I get it's Jack Eichel, but with all the uncertainty of with fans in the stands, like when we're going to be back to full capacity, what the long-term effects are of teams that have lost money and stuff, where where I think, to like Tamika's point, which I brought up earlier, um, you can see a ton of, of deals before the expansion draft of just teams that once they have a sense of how much money they've lost or how much money they're going to lose, um, just looking to cut bait on some higher-paid players, um, like seven and a half million dollars, not this off season would be the following off season. That's a lot for some teams to, to pay like right up front on July 1st. Like, okay, here's seven and a half million dollars. Um, the fact that he's going to, you know, make $10 million against the cap. And I know like, obviously teams have to fill out a roster and we you just look at the amount of teams that are up against the cap or, you know, but look at how many teams are well below that. So you might have a team that's willing to to spend ten million dollars, but like, okay, I'm gonna have you know a guy making two million, a guy making six million, and then two guys making one million. Um, but ten million on one player, and it's not that he's not talented, but just the fact that you're spending that much money on one player, which it's it's weird in hockey because you, the top players, unless you're a defenseman, are playing what at most twenty to twenty two minutes a game, and a game is sixty minutes. So you're paying your stars a premium, but they're only playing more than a third of the game. Um, so I I think this is going to be something that goes on and off. Like we're gonna depending on how bad Buffalo is, and you know what teams that could be potentially interested in them like maybe you have teams that are looking to go over the top maybe you have a team that is like you know what we are in a position where we feel that we're in a unique position where we can win a stanley cup and you know what if we don't we'd be cool with adding jack eichel and then retrofitting some things around him so we will go all in on this trade and and um then it's a situation where they're just blown out of the water. But uh, I, I, again, we've seen this before. Like uh, people talked about it on Twitter with Rick Nash and the, the "We don't want you." And last night was "We want Eichel," and we saw it with Brad Richards and how he turned some deals down at the trade deadline because he did not want teams that were going to potentially sign him in free agency to weaken themselves just to acquire him in a trade and this this situation is not unique to Jack Eichel it's just there are a lot of players that they want to play for the Rangers they want to make Madison Square Garden their home arena they want the pressure they want the opportunity to be a part of a team that can bring the Stanley Cup back for the first time since 1994 and I get like a lot of people might be listening to this and off to the side, like just, you know, 
doing the wanking motion with their hand. Like, yeah, how much of that really matters? Um, but you go on Twitter today. The Rangers, you know, tweeted out a short thing of Chris Kreider, and just listen to him how he talks about being a part of the organization as long as he has, talking about um, how he's become a, a leader and a mentor and a veteran. And how he talks about his experience of being a part of the Rangers as a family. Um, I think that speaks for itself in, in a way. It's almost like they should have made that guy captain. Tell me you're the captain without telling that. me you're the captain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. But, like, I don't have anything to tack on to what you said, because I think you you covered it all. I just wanted to be snarky going back to our debate over who should be Captain Meek or Kreider. I still think I'm right. Um, yeah. That certainly has turned a little bit. And yeah, it's right? kind of weird. Think about, oh, with it, if, if the C was on Mika's sweater, what would the story be? Oh, the way to the captain, say Tom. It is dragging Mika's Abedajad into an early grave. But no. Instead, it's... That would be a thing. No one gives a it shit. It kills me how much that that would be a thing. Yeah, that would be that would be the story in every fucking article coming out of, you know, the names of writers I don't want to say, because I try to be nice to everybody. Instead, I just swallow uh, my dislike and hate for the world. And then I cough it up as a black sludge in the middle of the night and bury it in the woods. On that note, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about, Mike? Um, um, no, I think we kind of covered everything. Um, you know, it's been a goofy stretch of games, and uh, the Buffalo win wasn't convincing, but you know what? Celebrate the nice things. Alexi Lafreniere is a point streak. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. Let's have some more of that. And, uh, boy, it would be swell if the Ben and Jad scored, but hey. It'll be okay if he doesn't, right, Tom? And we have no idea when Panarin comes back. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> oh, I wanted to tell you a fun thing, actually. So, sure. I'm working on a story about Igor for banter, and I really enjoyed this, because, as we all know, his numbers are a little different from what we saw uh, last season. But what's really fun is that 5-on-5, five five, his high danger save percentage, um... You know, he has 12 starts this season, he had 12 starts last year, but he has 58 more minutes played, um, just in all situations. And so it's like a good opportunity to kind of check in on Igor, see where he is. His high danger save percentage at 5-on-5, five five, identical, 857 at 5-on-5. Five five. Isn't that fun? I think it's fun. Yeah, that is, um, Igor is someone that hasn't really gotten talked about a lot, and I think when he has been gotten talked about, it's been uh, the context in which he's been talked about is why is he not starting? Why is, you know, Gorgiev getting a start? And why are they doing this rotation nonsense? Which, I mean, I get it to an extent, but like my feelings on this have been pretty consistent in that. You want to take advantage of opportunities where you can learn a lot about players, and I feel like goaltending is a pretty important position that you want to like get solidified. Um, and just from the the basis of, it's a situation where they're going to need to give him a contract because you know him being twenty seven is not that far away, and you kind of want to see if you can go off of his entry level deal and give him that long-term deal um, and get it in at a rate that helps. Like, I don't want to do this nickel and dime bullshit of, you know what, we're going to give you just a slight raise because we're not entirely sure. And then it happens to coincide with them adding a bunch of really good players to the rosters, the kids maturing, him being gangbusters in net, and then uh, it being a situation of where we have to pay this man his money. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, I'm very looking forward to that story. um, Because... It's it's not going to be done tonight. It's going to be done maybe tomorrow. We'll see how things go. Speaking of things that I appreciate and uh, 
always look forward to doing. Uh, reading the names of our patrons, uh, we appreciate everyone who supports the podcast. Um, yeah. We we certainly appreciate you listening. We appreciate your Patreon contributions. We appreciate those who listen to the podcast or not patrons. We'd love for you to join. Um, you know, we send out stickers and mugs from time to time. We, um, you know, during the summer, which we didn't really do this year because of everything with COVID and the stop season, we try to do like listener specific episodes where people can suggest topics. Um, but you know, if you do like the podcast, you want to support us a little bit, you know, we put the, um, the Patreon in the show notes, you know, anything you can give is great. Anything you can't, you know, it's totally cool. We uh, appreciate your listens. Uh, but our patrons, the six foot gap, Adam Clendenning, Adam Nahoek, Ian Gaspar, Amriel Kissner, Andre Chicago, Andy White, Bjarner Osterheim, Captain America, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Dezen, Frank Menino, Danny Bustle, Jason Silverman, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Prezapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Kevin Mead, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olson, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Landholt, Pear Juice, uh, Perennial Powerhouse, Sean, Deke Bialbach, Tall Guy Rob, The Tin Man Tory from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Uh, thank you, as always, for your support. I uh, appreciate you. Uh, Mike, as always, I appreciate you. Uh, thanks for doing the show. Um, you too, buddy. It was a good show, I think. I hope so. I mean... I have no idea. No inter- interruptions from robots this time around, which is a little more professional, to be frank. Well, enough I'm dragging the cat. show to the ground, Tom. That's all I do. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, be good to each other. Be good to yourselves. All those lovely things. Bye!